Good morning, everyone. It's so wonderful to be here, and uh, it, it's very touching, actually, to have such lovely things said about us, but also uh, we were very moved, Fliss and myself, uh, yesterday when so many of our old friends and uh, church planters we've sent out in the past uh, came to the party, and I hear this morning I want to welcome you all again. Uh, but before I, I bring what I hope is God's word for us today, there's something just thrilling to do, and that is to lay hands on two couples who we're sending out today to church plant. Um, so, uh, John and Nelly, would you, as Fliss is sick, would you mind joining me again up here? I'm sorry. And the crosses and the barringers, would you mind coming up here? And uh, thank you, that'd be marvelous. Come on and join us. Give them a big round of applause. As many of you know, we, we five years ago set uh, a goal for ourselves which made our eyes water to, to plant 12 new churches by 2020, part of our 2020 vision. And uh, we've been working behind the scenes very, very uh, hard on that. And Ritz and Anin Staitler and their family have been blessing us and helping us with that. And uh, today at our 25th anniversary, it's just so wonderful and fitting that we can, we can uh, send out a couple of church planters. Uh, where's the microphone? Oh, thanks, Ellie. Thanks. So I think we all know Henry and Deborah and the bump. And I know what sex it is, but I don't know whether I'm allowed to tell you, but it's one or the other. <laughs> and since you're here, why don't, Henry, why don't you just tell, tell us who you are, where you're going, and then we'll ask uh, the Barringers about their situation. Right, yeah, um, we are, Henry and Deborah, as Chris said, we're planting the Rock and Redeemer Vineyard. Rock and thought, Redeemer Vineyard? We thought wow! we'd go big on the name. So I want to join that yeah. church. It's, uh, it's based in Dunstable. Um, Constable. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Says the St. Albans guy. Rock and Redeemer! Constable. Um, the reason we called it that was we were thinking about a name. And, um, and a name's important. And uh, we wanted a strong name and a name that spoke truth. And my experience, I've been here for God knows how long. Um, he really does. I'm not blaspheming. Sorry. Um, and... Uh, um, just the, had some terrible times, some amazing times. I met my wife here, um, and you're a beautiful people. And every time I leave worship, I get a bit more emotional because it's one less time I'm, I'm going to do it. And um, I just, just, God is our rock, and he's the one that we build our life on. And he's the one who redeems us. He saves us. He draws us out from where we've been going wrong, and he puts us on a new path. And that was the idea behind our name, and we want to speak that to Dunstable, we want to speak that to Luton, we want to bring that, that life and that message. So pray for God us, please. God bless, bless you. you. Now, James, you were actually at Southwest for a while. Do you remember this young man, this young whippersnapper? And... Uh, it's wonderful to have you all up here today. James, tell us a little bit about uh, what's actually, that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna Catherine, all right, great, good stuff. Uh, we're James and Catherine, and um, we are planting Hemel Vineyard Church. Um, and we've lived there for about three years now, so um, this has been a journey for us. And we're really excited that, um, that now is the time. And we really feel that now is the time. And God's doing really exciting things in Hemel. 
Um, and so our, our tagline is that we're living inside out, we're living for Jesus, and we want to know what fullness of life is, that he says he wants to bring us fullness of life. And the inside is knowing him and having a relationship with him, but actually that spills outside of us into everything, into our lives, our relationships, and ultimately our community. And we want to be um, a church that really makes a difference. Um, so we're really excited that this is God's season. Wonderful. Well, guys, why don't you, can you kind of huddle up in the middle there and we'll sort of gather around and move over a little bit, Deb, so that we can, move over that way so that we can sort of get in the center there. That's great. Okay. Huddle up a bit more. That's it. Good. <laughs> now, church, please stand and uh, would you please do what we do? Just raise your hand to bless these guys. We want to say to you, in the name of Christ, we love you. You are flesh of our flesh. And we give you everything in the spirit that we have to give that you might succeed to fulfill God's purposes for you. And we charge you in his name to be faithful first and foremost to him. Secondly, faithful to one another. And thirdly, faithful to the call upon your life today. So now we bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We lay hands on you and we anoint you. And we ask God's fullest blessing upon you. The Lord strengthen you. The Lord give you wisdom. The Lord give you insight. The Lord give you love, increased love for himself, for one another, for himself, and for the people he draws to you. The Lord give you peace. The Lord speak to you day in and day out. Thank you. One of the first things that the Lord ever spoke over the vineyard were the words of Jesus, um, spoken of Jesus in Luke 4, chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind liberty to those that are oppressed and to bind up the brokenhearted and we bless you and as that was Jesus's manifesto so it is your mandate this morning mm. and we bless you in his name mm. bless you so may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Henry. Bless you. Thank you. Can I give you that? Yeah, thank you. Bless you. Thank you.
Why don't we just turn and greet one another again, somebody different, and catch our breath, and then we'll carry on. Just say good morning to someone else. Bless you. John. Okay, let's find our way back to our seats. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you again for all your grace and goodness to us, especially in the gift of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, I just ask now, Lord God, that you would give me grace, yes, grace to engage. Lord, grace to entertain, if that's what it'll take. But most importantly, to be effective. I ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Fliss sends her apologies. She's got the dreaded lurgy, would you believe? Yeah, she was at the party yesterday, but she, uh, you know, she's not well. She's got this awful cold, so she sends her love, but she's at home. She's going to try and come to the second service, but I don't, I don't, I'm not sure she's going to make it. So that is a little disappointment, so pray a little prayer for her. But anyway, I want to just spend a few moments on a little talk called Living Forward. And, uh, you know, I want to uh, also rejoice because this week has been full of excitement how many of you know that Richard Gathard, my assistant, and his wife Tara had a new baby this week? Thank God. I think if Tara had got any bigger, she would have exploded. She was, she was enormous, poor thing. Eight pounds, 10 ounces, and the baby's called Aria. Wonderful. But also, I, I honestly feel, it's just so exciting, I feel it's prophetic. Uh, I, I feel that God is, I mean, is saying there is more life yet. There's more life yet, and boy, we want that. So this little talk is called Living Forward, and if you have a Bible, it'll go up on the screen. Please turn with me to a Philippians chapter three, and uh, I'm just going to read through a passage here and then just draw two or three points out of that. Paul says, this is one of the prison epistles. He's in prison. It always astounds me that he can, he can be so upbeat and eloquent in spite of those circumstances. So he's writing to the church in Philippi and in chapter three, verse 11, Paul says this. He says, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, confidence in their circumstances, their status, their wealth or whatever, he says, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee. As for zeal, persecutor of the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Wow. 
Verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ and to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Someone say amen. amen. Okay, this passage, just to, uh, just to be true to the text before I, you know, muck it about a bit. To be true to the text, Paul is writing, and, and what he's doing, and what we need to understand about Paul and his culture as, as, as a, as a goal solid gold Jewish person, is that ancestry is everything for the Jew. So he is, he's talking as a Jewish Christian. And he's saying, look, there's a bit of a debate about this and that and the other. Listen, just shut up and listen, because I know what I'm talking about. Look at my ancestry. This kind of thing doesn't concern us today. But this was, this was the very nub of the matter then. My ancestry... Paul even knows which tribe he came from 2,000 years previously. Ancestry was everything because it established your right and status amongst God's people. Ancestry was everything. And he says, I know who I am. I am the best of the best. And he was able to say, when it comes to the Lord, I am faultless. Now you may think arrogance or whatever, but the law was very prescribed. It was very prescriptive. You could technically fulfill the law. And Paul is saying, I did it. Let anyone deny, I did it, faultless. But it wasn't just a sort of an ordinary by rote thing. He put passion into it, zeal, because he, he opposed and persecuted those who were against the Jewish faith and people. And at that time, in those early days, Christians were thought to be opposing the Jewish faith and a risk to its, its integrity. And so as a young man, before he met Christ, he persecuted the church. If you want to know whether I'm zealous, you know whether, want to know whether I'm, I'm keen and I'm up for this, I persecuted the church. So he establishes his credentials in a way that the Philadelphian, Philippian rather, uh, hearers will have understood. They would have known what he was doing. Okay, Paul, we got it. But then he does this incredible switcheroo. He says, you know what? 
means nothing to me. What? Means nothing to me. But, bro, you know, you, 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 you are all of these things, add as it happens, a Roman citizen, you have totally got the silver spoon in your mouth. What do you mean it means nothing to you? And, and what it means in Paul's thinking is that when he found Christ, or more particularly when Christ found him on that road to Damascus, suddenly the experience of knowing Christ, the Jesus you and I know in this place, the Jesus you and I know is extending the kingdom, once that happened, suddenly everything else lost interest. I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a hobbyist, you know that. I have hobbies, they usually last a few years and then I move on to something else. The switch can be quite sudden. One minute I can be into you know, boating on the river and do that for several years and then suddenly, a little bit like Mr. Toad in the Wind of the Willows, if you know that story, an old car goes rushing by, boop, boop. And I go, what was that? And suddenly boats, puh. Cars, yes. And that's my yellow triumph out there. I don't usually bring it, but John Mumford made me bring it because he wants me to take him a ride around the block. <laughs> Paul does this incredible switcheroo. He is the bee's knees when it comes to the Jewish faith. But suddenly he says, I count it as nothing. When compared with the... The, the unsurpassed privilege of knowing Christ. Now for Paul, knowing Christ has two elements. It's knowing about Christ, and there's no greater theologian than the Apostle Paul. You just have to read through his writings to begin to grasp that. But for Paul, it's personal. Something that he didn't have in the, in the Jewish faith. And in fact, in we, if we, we, I don't think we've got it on there, but if we flip back a page, if you're following with the scriptures, in uh, the first verse of chapter two, Paul says, he's appealing to the Philippians. He says, look, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and, and compassion. You see, what he is doing, he's, he's, he's expressing and unpacking the nature of what it is to know Christ. He knows more than just the Messiah. He knows Christ. Just like for those of us who are you know, fortunate enough at this time and space to, to, to be in a relationship with a loved one, a spouse, you begin to know one another. And the wonderful magic and mystery of, of being married to somebody is that as, as you know and are known, you find that you are still loved. I am so thrilled in my relationship with my wife, Fliss, that she still loves me in spite of me. In spite of me. It's a wonderful thing. I see a lot of couples getting all gooey. <laughs> Look at you all being gooey with one another. It's great. Paul is saying this. He said, I found Jesus. But it doesn't mean I just know a lot about Jesus, and he sounds pretty an interesting guy. He has experienced and encountered Jesus. And for him, that 
is everything. That is the sum of all his longings to be in Christ. And then for Paul, he says, you know, but what does that do for me? He says, that gives me a thirst and a hunger because he says, I press on. I press on to take hold of that which Christ took hold of for me. He, he gets this sense that there is more. And it's an incredible thing because you think, how could there possibly more than knowing God in Christ and being known by him? But he talks of, of pressing on, pressing forward to take hold of that which Christ has taken hold for him. You know, I've got my lovely grandkids here with me today. And uh, as I've said to you before, and forgive me for reusing this rather well-worn illustration now, I cannot stop spoiling my grandkids. You know, I, I, when I go to see them, I don't want to go empty-handed. The, the, the thing is that when I come from the Lord, they're delighted to see me. Their little faces light up, and that blesses me and melts my heart. But after a little while, you know, it's almost a case of, what's, what have you got behind your, your backpack? That's my name, they call me. What have you got behind your back? And, and because I love them and because they love me, I want to spoil them. Father's a little like that with us. He loves us, he's given us everything, and yet there is more that we might take hold of. By the way, when Paul in that passage of it, it caused you to wonder, when he says somehow to obtain the, you know, he, he wants to press on in order that somehow he might obtain the resurrection. Please don't um, misinterpret that, that he's in some doubt that he's going to heaven. No, really what the text means there is, is that he, he's, it's almost too good to be true. It's, it, he's almost incredulous. He says, you know, and I get all this, and incredibly, in spite of myself, I get the resurrection. Somehow, it's incredible. I don't really understand it all. It's just amazing. That's the sense of it. So this is, that's a little outline of the passage. Now, I, I want to just apply this to us um, I've got to apply this to, to us and our situation. You know, it's been incredibly um, humbling and touching and wonderful how folks over the last few weeks um, have just said such wonderful things about uh, the church and Fliss and myself. Uh, if you were here last week when Jeremy, our old friend, Jeremy Cook came and spoke, he said some wonderful things about Fliss and myself and, and that was embarrassing to be perfectly honest but it was wonderful too and, and you know but, but I honestly have found myself 25 years into this thing amazed and grateful and thrilled that I get to pastor this church for me it's like winning the lottery for me, being with you guys and working with you guys has been the most significant, the most wonderful thing in my life. You know, there are people in this congregation this morning who were there in that first group. You know, this church started 25 years ago, as you all know, with just um, my wife, myself, Noel, my daughter on the front row there next to Dennis, and, and the rest of the kids, and that was it. 
And it was a shock to the system like these guys may experience when you've been in a big church, a big setup to suddenly be sent out as the St. Albans Vineyard and there's only six of you and you're all in the family so they have to be there. (laughs) It's a shock to the system. And you suddenly, you you can't remember a thing that was said to you, a single Bible verse and a single piece of advice that any sensible person gave you. It's like, oh, what do we do now? But incredibly, God began to bring people around us. And it humbles me that actually a number of you are still here with us. Do you know, I want to say thank you to all of you, but especially those, those old timers. Why? Because... You gambled on us. You decided that the way you wanted to work out your discipleship was to throw your lot in with us and you have given your lives to this thing and I find that extraordinary. And look at us now. If I can do what Paul does just from, let me just brag on you guys. I mean this, this thing is a runaway train. I don't know what's happening half the time. People keep coming up to me and say, Chris, do you know where, and I don't. In fact, I don't even know the person they're asking for and they're heading up some ministry. Most of the pity. But the, the reality is that this church, and, and Jeremy helped me with this last week, we have fathered and grandfathered approximately 25, 26 vineyard churches in this country and, and abroad. That is staggering that our children have had grandchildren. They've planted out other churches, some of them I never even knew about. And I love my grandkids. God has sent us incredible staff members. Some of you have been with me for 15, 16 years. And the ministries that have flourished, I mean, you know, we all know about our our worship ministry. It has international renown. A little song, some people don't realize this, a song called I Love Your Presence, that has gone absolutely worldwide. If you go on YouTube, it has over two million hits. Two million. Other songs, Surrender, um, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, beautiful, and now this fire album, which is just exciting so many. We are so grateful to God that, that we should have found ourselves in this privileged place of being a means by which God blesses the wider church. Our children's ministry, I'm told our children's ministry is the largest children's ministry in the UK now. We have over 600 children registered Thank goodness they don't all turn up at once. (laughs) Otherwise, we would be in trouble. Our food bank feed ministry is the largest in Hertfordshire. This place just goes storming along. I get excited about that. I brag on you. I'm proud of what God has done. Forgive me if it's sin. But let me say this. Like Paul, the thing that excites me the most is that when we come together, we come into the presence of God. 
It is in this place I find myself encountering Jesus. To know Christ is everything. And as long as Jesus keeps turning up, I'm going to keep turning up. That's why we come together. Not because there's a, a feed bank, food bank meeting. Quite frankly, as some of you know, that causes me quite a lot of stress. But to come together, to come together to worship Jesus, to feel his hot breath upon my neck, to say that I know the master of the universe as a personal friend is, is reward enough for me. And it's one of the distinctives about you, you love his presence. But we want to do more than look forward to another 25 years. We want to live forward. I'm going to be unpacking this as a bit of a series as we run up to Christmas. This talk is entitled Living Forward. Because actually, like Paul, we perceive that there is more. There's more in terms of presence. There's more of Jesus to be had. As we surrender, as we let go, what's in one hand means that we can take hold of something, something of him in that hand. So we look forward to, to pressing on in and taking hold of Christ. We cannot stay in this place if we stay in this place, if we stay as we are, we will begin to atrophy. In the Christian life, you have to push forward because there is always more of him to be had. So in the weeks and months to come, we're going to be pushing that, 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 that pedal in order to see more people come to Christ so that at the end of this year, we'll be able to have this enormous, great big baptism. We're going to be pushing that pedal to see more churches planted because as great people go out, we find that God sends great people. You know, we've made a few cracks about space. You keep telling me that there are buildings for sale around here, and I've seen you, and I've heard you, and we probably are going to have to pitch for one of these buildings across the road. So start saving up because we're going to need some money, all right? But in all of this, it's not what God has done or what we have achieved. It's not what we plan to do and hope to achieve. My good friend Neil there says one of his favorite sayings at the moment is that God laughs at our plans. Isn't that right? Yep. The reality is, as long as at the very center of this is knowing Jesus, well, we won't go far wrong. If we make that our goal, that our priority, we won't go too far off the track. And as we know Jesus and as we press on into the presence of God, as we seek to develop in our discipleship, our walk with him, develop and deepen our faith, as we seek to do that as a community who are passionate about Jesus, Every now and then, as has happened this last month or so for Fliss and myself, and many of you have been doing this with us for such a long time, we stop and we look after, over our shoulder and then somebody like Jeremy Cook comes along and says, do you know you've been responsible for 25 churches? We didn't know. We don't spend our time thinking about those things. We get on and do it. 
And as we get on and do it, pressing on to take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of for us, as we look behind, as we take stock once in a while, our jaws drop open, our hearts swell, our eyes well with tears, because God has done it. So are you in? Are you in? They are. I'm not convinced. Are you in? Wonderful. Let's stand and finish with some worship. Sam, would you come up? God bless you guys.